Good morning. This is Constance of First Generation Healers Podcast, where we focus on creating soulful, supportive, validating, inspiring, and empowering relationships from the inside out. I'm so excited about our guest today. Through COVID-19, what kept me inspired to push forward was doing tapping videos from Megan Mermaid. She's an author, speaker, and teacher of mermaid consciousness. So let's jump right in here. So I'd love to hear more about your journey and what led you to working with mermaid consciousness. Yeah, absolutely. I've always loved mermaids, of course, ever since I was a little girl. The Little Mermaid, the Disney movie, was my favorite by far. And I remember watching it so many times that, you know, back in the day, it was the VCRs and (laughs) the video tape would get messed up. It would loop over and over, but I still watched it. And then when I started going through my spiritual journey, having like a sort of awakening experience, I started reaching out to different healers and mentors and teachers. And one of my mentors I met in Mount Shasta, and she shared with me that I have this lineage of mermaid sisters, and they're actually not from here. They're from the Sirius star system. So it's sort of a combination of mermaid energy and starseed energy. You could think of it like a galactic mermaid. (laughs) Once I began to discover that, I realized that there's one that represents every chakra, and then there's several others, but those were the first, and the first that will be shared in, in my book and in my upcoming Oracle deck. And so I started working with them a little bit and it really takes time when you're working with high frequency energy, you have to do a lot of um, preparation work to become open as a channel to receive that. I first began that journey about five years ago, and I can tell you that maybe only in the past like year or so do I really feel comfortable in that energy. And then along with the mermaids, I also discovered that I work with another um, group of beings, which I refer to as the high council of Syrian elders. And so if you think of the mermaids, like sisters, they're more like of a parental energy to me. And they sort of make sure that I stay on track with my purpose and also are really interested in helping humanity to come into this next level of awakening of consciousness through that self-love and self-compassion and self-forgiveness that's so necessary for this journey. When I took a course on reading the Akashic Records and we had to do the starseed part, I had like, I can't say I had complete faith in it working for myself, but immediately like it came up that it was like the Syrian energy for C and then also for Lyran for me. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I resonate with those both so much. And it's interesting because another channel that I worked with, she said that they're not actually called Syrians, but the person who named them was so smart because their energy is so like serious. Like it makes sure like you get your shit done. (laughs) So working with mermaids, was it hard to come out and talk to people about the, the Syrian energy and mermaids? Yeah, it's interesting because I felt like it was like a two-part process. Like the first part was, okay, people are aware of mermaids. I mean, mermaids are really a part of our 
culture and they're they're in so many different aspects of our society and, and art and all sorts of things. So it felt easier to begin to relate to that and, and to share mermaid things. And it's only been within the past year or so that I really started being more outspoken about the starseed part. I recently had posted on my Instagram that I consider myself a walk-in. I loved saying that because it's like I, I came out of the walk-in closet. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it it just takes time. And I I definitely feel like consciousness is more open to that now than than even in just the last few years. I completely agree with you. And that's so cool with the whole walk in part. I didn't actually know that about you. Yeah. So I was in a car accident in January 4th of 2008, 13 years ago, I fractured like my hip bone and my tailbone and my sacrum. And I had to have like emergency surgery for a splenectomy. And I was in the hospital for about three weeks. I went from like a walker to crutches to a cane. And what changed so much was, was my personality and what was important to me, even though I could still remember what had happened before I couldn't put my finger on it at the time that there something had happened. And as I started to do more research and become more conscious and more aware, I was directed to books like, have you ever heard of the book, Anna, Grandmother of Jesus? Oh, I haven't, but I will check it out now. It talks about Mother Mary and her mother, Anna. If you get more into like Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene and their connection actually to Egypt and Isis and Hathor, there was like this priestess lineage. Even when you think of Jesus, being an immaculate conception that was very common in like the whole priestess temple lineage and and walking in as a a higher consciousness so it's not exactly like you're a different you but it's a higher aspect of you and so when that higher aspect of you comes in you don't necessarily have to go through as many of the stages of awakening that are necessary in a normal human experience and so by doing that and you sort of bypass those things, you're on a fast track to be able to accomplish a mission that you have. And and generally that mission is is quite complicated and very specific. And that's why it requires that higher aspect of consciousness to come in and, and sort of take over. That book was the first time that I'd heard of it because um, grandmother Anna was her consciousness came into a woman that had experienced huge amounts of trauma in her life and was going through this very difficult childbirth in that moment of childbirth where she almost died um, this higher aspect of her came in and then from that point she was very awakened and very conscious in a way that she hadn't been prior i mean it's sort of similar to like a kundalini awakening but but different in a way because it's it's you, but it's you like on steroids. On <laughs> consciousness. <laughs> I really love how you word things. Like it's an, it's an amazing energy around it when you choose oh. your words. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Have you ever got into the Sophia Code? I have to ask. Yeah, actually, I'm I'm very connected to that, <laughs> and it was a very huge part of my journey. So, what is mermaid consciousness? Yeah, mermaid consciousness is a a consciousness upgrade. So every mermaid as I as I spoke has 
a, a chakra that's represented with it. And so what it does is takes the archetype of the mermaid, all of the important qualities of a mermaid, being comfortable in your body, self-love, creating beauty in the world, this wild part of the feminine, everything that that sometimes we've lost in our feminine energy through this patriarchal ruling that we've had for thousands of years on this planet has been preserved in, in the energy of the mermaid. And so mermaid consciousness is an upgrade to our own consciousness to sort of download those characteristics into each of our chakras to clear and heal like any blockages that we have. So, for example, um, the root chakra mermaid Zoe represents stability and feeling safe in our body. And so then each of these chakras have a specific gift through this mermaid energy. And as I mentioned before, um, with the Syrians and the mermaids of Sirius, the pillars are really self-love, self-forgiveness, and self-compassion. And it's really learning to love yourself through this awakening process, becoming your best friend, and tuning into your body, which is really important because a lot of times when we open up to our magical nature, and we remember like the star systems that we came from, or we feel so connected to these other realms. It's easy to want to, want to escape our body and want to escape our human experience. And we may even feel homesick for those parts of ourselves. But the mermaid teaches us that in order to ascend and to awaken, we have to be in our body. Mermaid consciousness is about feeling safe to be in your body through the senses. So what you can see, what you can smell, and smell is a big part of, of your journey right now through pregnancy because that's activated. It definitely is, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's really about, you know, creating a beautiful environment around you so that you can, through the breath, come back to your body, which then allows you to be in the present moment, which is where everything is happening. And then by being in the present moment, you're able to then manifest and create the fairy tale life that you'd like, which is what the mermaids teach how to create your fairy tale life in order to upgrade every area of your life. But it all begins, of course, by coming back to your body. And then, of course, when you come into your body, you got to kind of do some house cleaning because as a human, we go through so many experiences that are very traumatic. And so I think there's a quote by Anais Nin, and she says that I must be a mermaid because I'm not afraid to, to dive deep. So if you'd like to look up that up, feel free, but I cannot remember it for the life of me now. But anyway, the point that I was trying to make is that the mermaids allow us to go into like the depths of our consciousness through through the energy of water when and water represents emotions. And so they sort of bring like this levity and this lightness for how, how to work through some of this really dark stuff stuff that, that we've gone through in our conscious and unconscious, both collectively and individually, and, and do it from a place of fun. So it's like, how do you do shadow work in a fun way? You, you do it with the mermaids and, and you sort of develop like these tools of how to unlock your consciousness and, and activate your awareness in new levels by witnessing all of those deep emotions and that trauma with compassion and, and curiosity rather than fear and self-blame. And would that also be partially the tapping too that goes into the shadow work with us? Absolutely. And I love that you brought that up. So much of what we speak is important. Like when they say spelling, 
like a spell when you think of witches or anything magical, like you put a spell on someone, what you're doing is it's just the energy that you're putting out into your mouth and um, speaking out into the universe. And it's about speaking out what's underlying under the surface that we're not aware of. And so by tapping, you can use these meridian points to tap out old belief systems and tap in new belief systems. And it's this really beautiful way of working through emotion because tapping is also called EFT, which is emotional freedom technique. So what happens is that when we go through emotions or we go through difficult experiences, our bodies can go into like a flight or fight mode and we freeze up. And so there's energy that's trapped in the body from that experience. When we use tapping, we can revisit those moments where energy was frozen and tap them out and then create more opening in, in the body to welcome in these new beliefs and new experiences that are more in alignment with who we are now. That sounds like that would be really good for your chakras too, to open them up. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And you know, it, everything is really about the chakras because those are like our, our portals of how we're receiving energy. And a lot of times people sort of discount like those lower chakras or, you know, they, they put so much emphasis on like your crown chakra or your third eye and wanting to see like all of these crazy things in the world, which is awesome. And, and you absolutely can do that, but a lot of this human experience and and what star seeds especially are, are learning now is is how to be human you know like we've we've been on all of these other planets and done all of these things and that's what feels most familiar to us but just learning to be human in a human body and and being present on this planet and learning what this planet has to offer is is a little challenging sometimes and so um, like you said opening those chakras and and using tapping can can really help bring us back to earth <laughs> as we become more connected to like the truth of who we are it's like we're like a reflection of god it's like we're god like wearing a a costume like god is making mermaid or or god as as constants and um you know then when you start to realize that everyone is that slowly it takes time and a lot of um a lot of practice because <laughs> some people it's harder to see God in than others, but <laughs> it's a <good> yes, <laughs> lately, especially I feel bad for that, but true. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that I've really been looking at a lot of the judgments and things that I've had. It's interesting because astrologically right now, the South node is in Sagittarius and the North node is in Gemini. And whenever as a collective, um, the moon's North nodes are in certain signs. The South node is what we're wanting to move away from. And the North node is the energy that we're moving towards. And so the shadow side of Sagittarius, which is the energy that we're trying to move away from is kind of like a self-righteousness or thinking like I'm right, or my idea or belief is the best one. And so it's coming up for all of us right now of like, wow, like, where am I thinking? Like, what I think is, is right is like better than what other people think is right. And it can be so subtle sometimes that we're not even aware of it. <laughs> I definitely agree with you on that. And it's so funny. You say those signs that's mine and my husband's I'm Gemini and he's Sagittarius and my son's, my son is Sagittarius and my, my baby's supposed to be Gemini, but we'll see if I'm early. <laughs> Wow. That's so cool. I love that. I have Venus and Gemini and then I'm a Sagittarius moon. So I definitely feel very connected to that energy. I'm a Leo sun, but 
Yeah, that's that's really a good combination too for you and your husband. Um, because it's like polarities. So it's sort of like everything that you are, he needs, and everything that he is, you need. And so if you can meet in the middle, you can learn so much about each other. That's really beautiful. Thanks. Yeah, I love astrology. <laughs> oh, I saw. And how did you get into it? I've always loved it, of course. And I would say I really started to study it um, about five years ago. And then I met one of my mentors, um, Dr. Craig, and I started taking astrology classes weekly. And I still work with him, actually. And what I've discovered is it's something that I've worked with ever since I've incarnated here. I've had um, like channels and, and teachers say that, you know, I was doing astrology in the Hathor temple. And um, like when babies would be born, I would see like where um, the planets were at the top and, and create their birth chart for their life. I'm starting to remember all of that again now, which is really awesome. The way that I view astrology is that it's sort of like our user manual for life. So it's like, if you were to figure out who you, your avatar is in this lifetime, you would look at your astrology and it would tell you like what your strengths are and what your challenges are. And it can tell you where um, you're going to experience certain soul lessons in your life, how to be prepared to handle those soul lessons and, and also to have understanding of who you are as a, as a being and, and have more compassion for yourself. Cause if you think about it, like an operating system, you're not going to get mad at your iPhone for not being an Android, or it's the same way where if you uncover, like, what are the shadow aspects of being Gemini and what are the challenges, then you have a lot more compassion for when you act out or react in certain ways, because you realize it's, it's your programming. I definitely agree with that. And I like to think of for when I deal with like chakras and the word blocked, I like to change that out for programming or for, um, for conditioning. And it's like, oh, I can work on that. You know, it's, it's not like when I hear blocked and I'm like, I feel stuck, you know, it's the wording. And it's so important because it's, it's all just levels of consciousness. This is how one would respond or react on this level of consciousness. And then when you go through certain experiences and you may up level in some ways, then maybe you look at that same situation, but you're seeing it from a completely different perspective. And, and then you just move higher and higher and higher. But one of the challenges of that, especially with that South node in Sagittarius is to have compassion for those people that are um, still experiencing those things. And, and maybe are a little bit, maybe you might be a little bit further down the path than they are. And it's like, well, why do people act that way? But you know, it's, it's everybody's on their own journey. And it's, it's just as important to have that knowledge as it is to have compassion for those that don't. It's not up to us to teach everyone what we know. It's, it's really to be an example and, and let people choose for themselves. You reminded me by saying that of how like a couple, yeah, it's pretty much like a couple of weeks ago when the moon was in cancer. So I just found out I'm a cancer rising. I thought I was a Leo rising, but I had the wrong time for my birth. And the moon really affected me. And my husband kept trying to, because I was like really upset, like, and moved by it for once, like, like bad. And he, um, he kept trying to tell me I need to change my mindset because I'm thinking negative and stuff like that. And what I really needed then was like, you're saying it's that compassion and the people that are in that state, like you're saying, they need that compassion first. They need that validation of how they feel. And then they can move on to higher places if we're able to be there for them at the, at that level where they're at, instead of being like, you need to be here now. Right. Yeah. I love that so much. 
And it's interesting that you say that you're a cancer rising because what our rising sign is our most important part of our, of astrology and even more so than our sun sign, because it's the lenses that we use to be the world. So as a cancer rising, your um, ruling planet is the moon. So you're going to notice that your emotional your emotional landscape and everything changes with the moon. If you have like meetings or, or different things and, and you start to kind of arrange your calendar with the way that the moon is like, you know, full moon is when you're going to want to be more like seen in the world and do more social things and new moon or dark moon, which right now is, is generally a time of um, going within. And it, it also means that your mood may fluctuate too, like the moon. And, and so you might be feeling a certain way, even in the morning and then in the afternoon, it could change. And at night it could change again. And it's really great to, to learn those types of things about yourself, because then you don't have to be like, well, why am I so tired? Or I should be doing this, especially as an air sign, you know, your mind is always going. So it, it's great to, to learn more about yourself and, and discover like, when are the best times to do these sorts of things? Or, or when is it actually okay for me to take a break and to rest? And what was your moon? I think that was the one thing that was missing. <laughs> oh, Aquarius. <laughs> Oh, nice. So we're very similar. Yeah. I'm Aquarius rising with Leo sun and Sajman. Anyone with Aquarius energy, it's energy that we learn that we're always going to be like a little bit different and that a lot of that information that we receive is, is sometimes kind of out there and it's not going to look like what everyone else is doing. So it's important to trust ourselves and trust what's coming to us because we're kind of like those innovators that bring in this new stuff. So how does it feel for you as an Aquarius moon? Like, do you feel like emotionally detached sometimes? (laughs) Is it hard for you to kind of like feel into your emotions? Do you intellectualize them? Yeah, I do struggle with that. I'm definitely working on feeling more all the time. Yeah, that's been a, a lesson for me too. <laughs> and the mermaids really help with that. So that's a good thing. But yeah, I actually started seeing a new um, therapist recently and she's like, well, you've done all this self-awareness work and I can tell her all the things that I'm working on, but she's like, now we have to get you in your body and actually feel it. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I totally understand that. That's great. You're working on that. The past couple of years, I've had like Saturn and Pluto in my 12th house. It's just moving into the first house now this year. But I've learned that like when you have planets in the 12th house transiting that a lot of people like search for like therapy or healers or or kind of do a lot of like inner work. The 12th house planets are, are connected to when we're in the womb, like even before we are born. It's so deep. Sometimes it's hard for us to like really figure out like, wow, like, well, why does this affect me? Or why do I do this thing? Or, you know, where, what's the root cause of this? So it's, it's really cool to, to understand with astrology that, okay, well, that's why I'm like learning this lesson right now. And so because these lessons are important to me, these are some of the things that I can do, like seeing different therapists or healers to like support me in that. So how do you help artists tap into their creativity and what blocks it exactly? Creativity is is all about what the mermaids teach is creative alchemy. And what that means is turning like challenging situations that you've been in into something artistic. A really simple example would be like if you go through a, a breakup and you're going through like heartbreak 
there's lots of things you could do. You could numb out or you could go into another relationship and, and try to forget about it. Or you could work a lot or eat or do all sorts of things that humans do. But if you look at that pain and you look at it as like this fuel, that's where we would connect it to the sacral chakra, which is the key to our creativity. Then you have like this pure energy of expression that you could turn into something beautiful in the world. And whether that be something that you write or, or music or something that you paint, it's, it's just about using those those challenging and darker experiences and and the beautiful ones too, all of them. But sometimes it's easier to alchemize the, the harder ones first, because those are more difficult to sit with. The way that I do that is, is creating this space for people to come into the truth of what emotions need to be felt without judgment, which is important. And so a lot of times we we're going so quickly in our lives that we, we don't have time to just sit with our emotions and we don't feel safe to, to sit with them or speak them out. And so I can create a safe space for people to really connect into what's going on with them on a deeper level. The key to creativity, which I didn't mention, but is also so important is our inner child. And so whatever you loved as a child is, is so important to your purpose and and your passions. And so um, by dealing with those emotions and, and listening to your inner child and figuring out what your inner child needs, you can move from that wounded aspect of your inner child and then channel like that really powerful energy that's inside of you all the time when when you start to work with your inner child and invite them into every area of your life. That's so interesting. So everything that you teach about and you have your mentorship too, does that include the shadow work and does it include the inner child work then? Yeah. And so the mentor container, it's really going to be individual for each person. Um, There's some clients I've had where they have like a book in them and I do kind of like creative midwifing. So um, what will happen is someone will tell me a creative idea that they have. I'll sort of walk them through, okay, like here's this great idea. Um, How do we turn it into like the next logical action step and hold them accountable for those things? And then if they need some support in other resources or other places to go. We kind of work on that together. There is like that creative project mentorship. And then there's um, kind of like that spiritual beginning mentorship when it's like, oh my goodness, like I just found out I'm a star seed or I feel connected to mermaid consciousness, or I'm going through this really traumatic experience and I don't know how to deal with it. And so then it would be more of a a supportive space of looking through those those deeper emotions and working through it and, and sort of begin to integrate them. So then you can get into that next creative piece. And then other times it's kind of like coaching where I facilitate someone in how to create a mermaid mindset, which is that level of consciousness and, and thinking of, of positive thinking and, and manifesting in order to create what it is that they want to create. Tapping is always going to be a tool 
tool. Sometimes it's like creative visualization. Sometimes it's me sitting with someone and actually doing writing work or looking at their editing. So it's all just really going to depend on who's drawn to me and what their intention is. So that's, what's really beautiful about mentoring is that it's always going to change and fluctuate based on who's being drawn to me and their energy at that time. And then also as my consciousness continues to grow or I'm being led in different directions, it continues to shift as well. So I try to just leave it really open and let whoever is connected or drawn to me to sort of make it into what it it is that they need at that time. I love that you personalize it. That's so important for people to have personalization. I agree. Yeah. Cause everyone is so different. It's, it's really hard to, to say like, Oh, I, I do this specific thing all the time. And, and for the people that do, that's great. Cause they can be like really, really good at that one thing. But I'm sure as you know, with like Gemini energy, there's so much to learn and there's so much to do. Like, how can you just choose one thing or just choose one option, you know? <laughs> yeah, I agree. And my 12th house was in like studying. I don't know if it still is. I have to look when I looked last time. So that makes it even worse. I'm just like, oh my gosh, all these teachers everywhere. I want to learn everything. I want to buy every class. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's been a lifelong lesson for me. And I relate to that as a Sag moon because, and I think my, it has to do with my ninth house too. I've continued to like look for like teachers and and mentors. And at some point it's like, I've, I can always still continue to learn. And I'm prepared enough to like move forward with what I know. A lot of people can relate to that of, of we feel like we have to be so prepared to start our mission or to start offering whatever it is that we offer, but it's actually in just doing it now and, and learning as we go that, that it starts to come to fruition. And it's amazing what, you know, like you connect with the mermaids and I think you also connect with goddesses too, right? And you learn yeah. so much from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I work a lot with the Ascended Masters and and angels as well. I feel like before I even knew about mermaids or my connection to mermaids, I really felt connected to the angelic realms. And I'm not sure if you, you're familiar with Doreen Virtue, but it was such a shame. If you're not aware of what happened, she was this oracle and she worked with the angelic realm. And then she had this experience with Jesus, who I actually love as an ascended master. In her particular journey, she decided that Jesus was the only energy that she wanted to work with. And so her 20 years of books and coursework and readings and everything. She was just like, nope, like that's all wrong. It's evil. Anyone who does this stuff is evil. And I'm just going to do this Christian thing. And which is cool if that's like your journey, because you know, whatever fits for you is amazing. But what was hurtful on her end was that she like not only renounced her, her previous work, like pointed the finger at anyone that was into anything other than that and was like, oh, like we're, we're doing something wrong or evil, which is no matter what you believe is, is never a, never a good solution. <laughs> I remember just starting to wake up, discover like all of these like spiritual gifts that I had. And I was so drawn to her coursework and her decks and I still have them. And, and what's really interesting is that Um, When I started learning more about her, she grew up in a very like new age home. She kind of like shifted all the way into like this like Christian thing. And I feel like that can happen sometimes because, you know, I grew up in like a very religious home and like my parents were pastors and it was really looked down upon. Like when I started to like move out of that 
very strict Christian paradigm. And so I feel like sometimes if you've grown up with something in childhood and it didn't resonate, like you may want to go into the whole like opposite end, because isn't your podcast um, very connected to, to being like the black sheep of your family or, or being like different than your family group? Yeah, exactly. And it's definitely part of your soul journey. Yeah. Going back to astrology, I have Chiron in the fourth house, which is the house of cancer, the house of home and the house of family. And Chiron is wherever it's placed in our chart represents our deepest wound and where we're doing the most healing work. So wherever our Chiron is, we're really good at helping other people through something similar, but sometimes it's, it's that really, really deep wound in us that takes a lifetime to really uncover and, and to accept and to heal from. But on the bright side, it, it allows us to have a lot of compassion. And, and so I would most likely attract a lot of people that are dealing with very similar issues. And that's how it works with whatever we struggle with in our lives, especially if we're going through it in real time, like it's actually happening in this moment and and we're willing to be open and vulnerable and share it in our work. Um, We're going to connect to other people that are going through that same thing. And that's what's going to make us really relevant and um, real and, and great at what we do. Other people can look at us and say like, well, you've gone through this experience and you've made it through like, how the hell do I do it? (laughs) We can help them at that time. Yeah, that's exactly it. People look at you and they want to channel who you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you can work through mermaids or, or even on this earth plane, our mentors or, or teachers and healers, if people that we look at and want to have those same characteristics that they do. It's, it's great to have them as, as mirrors to see, like, just like we talked about in that God conversation that, you know, what they, what they are, we also can have, but I think what's really important too, is then to take that energy, but then figure out how to make it your own. And that can be sometimes challenging. And, and so you'll see like people saying like, Oh, well, I'm mother Mary, or I'm this person, or I'm the queen of Sheba. And maybe you've, you've worked with, with that energy in a previous lifetime, but we're all like our own unique thing and we're all doing our own unique thing. And so it's really beautiful to have those mirrors and it's really important to, to discover like what makes us unique and and what our unique offering is. During the beginning of COVID, I was working with the weirdest um, like goddesses and different concepts from mythology. So I worked with Pandora's box and with Pandora's box, I was made aware that the narcissist is also a mirror. It's a mirror of our own dark words that we speak to ourselves. And it's you finally saying no to all that. And then you're able to move on with your life from there. Mm. Yeah, that's so powerful. And it's so true. I mean, I'm definitely, definitely familiar with narcissism. And um, my journey of healing from attracting those types of relationships really had to look at where I was responsible in creating them. And that happens in every area of our life, because those darker energies that we see in others is a mere reflection of like our own inner critic or our own ability to like judge ourselves or, or put ourselves down. And that can stem from childhood trauma. It can stem from all sorts of things, but that's why self-love is so important on this journey to, to not only forgive others, but 
so important to forgive ourselves for creating those situations of suffering in our past where we attracted those types of things because we we just didn't know that we could learn in an easier way and it's not even our fault you know it's it's where we're in the society where this programmed a certain way and then you know we are working through healing our ancestral lineage and and it takes a lot of courage to to look at what we've grown up with and and what's around us and realize that it's okay that we created this because at that time we just didn't know. And it's also important that now we know that we don't have to keep creating it by taking full responsibility for it, which we always say in tapping and then forgiving ourselves. It means a lot to me that you share that. And I'm sure someone listening definitely needs to hear that message. We all need that message so much. (laughs) Oh, I know. Yes. I mean, you said it, you said it really well. And I love how you said it. It's not always your romantic relationships. It could be your job. You're attracting people. It could be new clients you're attracting that are just like your nightmare mom or something like that. It could be on Facebook. You're just like the energy that you put out there, as we say, like, if I'm having any doubt about what I'm going to write and put online, I'm going to attract that doubt and fear back. Yeah, I love that you said that because, you know, as an Aquarius rising, I definitely have an alternative point of view in in many things. I do enjoy pressing buttons sometimes. It sometimes can be a good thing and it sometimes can be a thing where I have to be mindful of being impulsive. I, I posted something that it really just seemed like was like a joke. And I had so many people like say such angry things on that post. And first of all, it made me realize like, great. Like I need to do posts like this more often so I can filter out the unwanted energy in my feed and and block those people and and keep my, my field clear. And I have to have a lot of compassion for others because I mean, if someone is like scrolling down your feed, they don't know you, they're triggered by something that you put that's absolutely unrelated to them in every way. And they see that as an opportunity to lash out and to say something really mean to you, then you have to realize like, wow, this person must really be in pain and they don't have like a a healthy place to channel that. And so they're going to take whatever opportunity they can get. And as we talked about in like the different levels of consciousness, it's, it's a reaction and every reaction that comes from fear is, is caused from a place of, of hurt. And, and so there's two things that need to happen in that we need to have compassion for those people as they, they come to us from a place of hurt. And we also need to develop like really strong, healthy, loving boundaries so that, yeah, like you can have all your feelings and you can have whatever opinions you want, but you can't do it on my page or you can't do it in my life or you can't do it in my mentor container. And so when we invite people to meet us here or show them the door, it's, it's really a a way of self-love because not everybody is going to tell them that. And, and sometimes it's like, even if they lash out at you in that moment, you're, you're planting a seed that maybe later on will, will help them to move towards a direction of healing that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have, have been able to receive if they were allowed to continue with that um, bad behavior. I love that you said the strong boundaries because people feel like, no, you're supposed to 
you know, keep people there and be strong and, you know, like work through your shadow work with someone and all that stuff. And it's like, there's a point where you have to decide that, okay, I learned why that happened and why that triggers me that that person said that, or you can just go, you know what, I don't have to take on the anger that they gave to me and be angry. That's not even my vibration. That's theirs and let it go. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so important. And I feel like that's such a, a lesson that we learn as like spiritual empathic beings is like what's mine and what's somebody else's. And, and that's really connected to codependency, which is, which everybody is, is going through on some level because we're in a culture of codependence. And what I'm learning is it's really about returning to a place of interdependence where we're all not depending on each other, but we're all like co-creating and working together. And so it it takes a a lot of strong boundaries and a lot of self-awareness to, to get to that place where you can take responsibility for what's yours and, and give people back what's theirs, but like do it in a good way, like where, like you're not judging them, but you're also not allowing things that are harmful to you because that's not doing good for anyone. Exactly. Because when we think that we're respecting them, we can end up disrespecting ourselves. Yeah. And it's so important as we move back to like that inner child piece. And, um, you know, when we go through childhood trauma, we want to heal it. And especially if it's really deep and it's things that are like in our unconscious that we're not aware of. And it's because we're disconnected from that root of the the trauma, we'll start to create relationships that mirror that trauma and, and we'll keep creating them in, in the hopes that, that we'll find the lesson and, or the pearl of wisdom that the mermaids teach and, and um, move through it. But then that ends up creating like more trauma, more hurt in our current situation. And so it takes a lot of self-love to step back from that and realize when you're creating things that, that aren't, that aren't good for your spirit and to let them go. I think letting them go is, is one of the biggest challenges. We can become so attached to things that are unhealthy for us. And, and we might think like, oh, it's, I've spent so much time on this, or I've invested so much in this. And, and it's hard to, to accept that walking away is, is a really loving thing to do if you're hurting yourself in order to, to make sure that someone else feels good. (laughs) It's, it, it's, it's like when you say it, it doesn't make sense, but when you're in it, it, it's so easy to, to get stuck in like that people pleasing um, mentality because it's so prevalent in our culture. It definitely is. It's that just the way that society is and like how busy parents have to be now to work that, you know, like they can't spend time with their kids. They can't raise them. There's just so many things where we just become so numb to ourselves because busy, busy, busy is prioritized. And it's just like, I don't know, there's just a lot of things to mention that cause that. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. Um, and, and what I'm learning as I, as I channel this mermaid energy is that one of the teachings that they share is be first and then do. And from that beingness, you'll know what to do. And so it's like, we're always going, 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 and, and 
what I've discovered is, especially because I have all of this fire energy that I try to go so fast that I end up making mistakes and then having to go back and, and in going so quickly, I end up taking more time in the long run. And so it can be challenging to kind of want to slow down and to be in this present moment and to quiet our minds. And it can create a lot of guilt because it's like those thoughts or ideas of I should be doing something or I, 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 I need to do this. But if we're, if we're doing an act, but our energy is not in alignment with that act, because we're in this like hurried, rushed or fearful state, then the only outcome that can come from that act is, is more fear or more worry or more rush. And, and so if we can just stop, pause, breathe, and come back into our body and and slow down, then even like those regular things that we have to do every day, like taking care of our children and cleaning up the house, it can become like this, like really beautiful, like, like spiritual ceremonial act. And it, it starts to create more presence in our life, which then brings us more meaning and ultimately more peace. So that's something that they've te- that they've been teaching me, but it's definitely not something I've mastered. <laughs> I definitely understand that, especially when you're a mom. It's so much easier whenever you do everything for yourself first and then do everything for your child after I'm finding, especially like for leaving the house. I feel I get myself ready first and then I get my son ready. It is such a like a better transition. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've been doing the same thing too. And unless, and of course that can change too, because you can get all ready and then you can get them ready and then they'll spill something all over you and all over them and you have to start all over, but (laughs) that happens. (laughs) But that happened to me uh, on Christmas. We had, um, I had an outfit for my daughter and um, like, she just like, had this like explosion in her diaper that like went all over me and all over the chair and all over her outfit. And, you know, you always have to have outfit number two um, for your kids. And like, you have to have like option two in your life that like when those things happen, like literally or figuratively that you can just like laugh at yourself and and not like take it so seriously. Oh, I've been there. I've woken up to that (laughs) stuff. So I totally understand. (laughs) So I totally forgot to ask you this. How can we connect with mermaids or if you just want to go into what it's like for you? Well, one of the things that I offer on my website, if if you sign up for my mailing list, you get the free DNA activation for healing the root chakra for mermaid consciousness. And so that's a great first step. I would just really start doing your research in your sovereignty, just discovering like what, um, what you're drawn to and let your higher self bring you to tools or ideas that are going to be helpful for you. So let's go into how we can find you online, any current offers you have. And if you want to talk a little bit about the Mermaid Mystery School. You can find me on my website, meganmermaid.com. 
as well as on YouTube and Instagram at Megan Mermaid. Currently, I'm offering oracle card readings and astrology readings, but on Zoom or um, through audio recordings. And I also offer a mentorship container there. And then Mermaid Mystery School is in the process. And um, the first part of that is going to be um, 44 Days of Mermaid Consciousness, which is connected to my Oracle deck, the Mermaid Empowerment Oracle deck that's also in progress. That is going to be available very soon on my website. So if you subscribe to my weekly newsletter, then you will be able to stay up to date on all of the mermaid magic that's happening as well as all of the projects to come. And you'll also receive free weekly astrological tips and advice, as well as my free weekly tapping videos. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And thanks for understanding, you know, you're a mom. <laughs> yeah, don't worry that. Yeah. Like I was worried about you hearing mine in the background. So like, Don't worry about it. And it's, I think that's something I'm going to have to put out there with the podcast is that sometimes you're going to hear my son. Sometimes you're going to hear things in the background. It's just who I am now. And you know what? I feel like it's so important to do that. Just like the dog is barking too, because it just goes to show that like real life is always happening. And you know, what do you do? How do you show up to it? You can pretend that it's all perfect all the time, but that's not true. And and that's not going to make you a relatable and real figure to others. You know, it's, it's instead saying, okay, well, the baby's crying or the dog's barking, or there's all this noise in the background. And, you know, I could still be present in this moment, no matter what else is happening. Yes. I love that. That's very true. Cause then you show other people that don't let anything stop you. Yeah, exactly. And also like, don't feel like you have to be in a place of perfection to move forward. Cause that's just never going to happen. And thank you again. It was, it was so amazing to connect with you and, and have this conversation. I really appreciate you reaching out to me and um, offering this invitation. You're welcome. I really do love your stuff. That's honestly, like, this is amazing to me to be talking to you. And that's not, that probably sounds weird to you in some way, but it just means a lot to me. And it, like, we were able to talk and have a really great flow here. So that's amazing also. Thank you so much. I feel the same. Like you just have like a sweet and and just really grounded energy, which it must be your cancer. Like, honestly, you should just be so thankful that you have, you have a, a cancer rising with your Gemini. Cause I feel like it really, it really helps to, to ground you. Um, even though it's water, it's, it's a very yeah. like energy that, that helps to, to bring out like the good parts of Gemini without feeling like so scattered and all over the place. <laughs> It's actually hilarious that you say that because like when I, I found out during the full moon, so I wasn't very happy about it because I was like, I don't want cancer in my like chart. And of course it has to be my rising sign. <laughs> I know, I get it. Like, cancer can be tough. And of course it's like, I want Leo, but you know, Leo has its own uh, thing too. I mean, Leo, I, I, I can tell you as a Leo son, it's, um, you're like extremely overconfident and extremely insecure all of the time. And it's like really challenging to be both. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, my, one of my friends is a Leo. She, I could probably say that to her and she'll be like, yeah, that's that. <laughs> what a blessing to have Megan Mermaid on the podcast. Definitely check out her links in the show notes. And remember that what you seek starts within, whether it's your wealth or anything else. Outer wealth follows discovering your inner wealth.